Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let us bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are coming before you this morning singing songs, praising and worshiping who you are. You are the creator, sustainer of the entire universe. You left heaven, came to earth, and died upon a tree for the sin of the world, Lord. Thank you for your work. Thank you for the work that you have done, the work you are currently doing, and the work that you are doing in the future. We pray these things in Jesus' name who makes all this possible. Amen. We are in our sermon series all about the future. We're systematically, chronologically going through consecutively, verse by verse, through the book of 1 Peter. Because it is just that, all about the future. And when Pastor Jared stands up here this morning to tell you what the Lord is doing here at Villa's Grace... We should be comforted in what we see in the book of 1 Peter because we understand everything that we are doing here at this church is for the future, where we are heading. And we are heading somewhere with something very special. That thing very special is the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ that we want to share. We want to share this good news right here in our villa's community. And so far, we have evidence of that happening. So we can be encouraged in our only hope in our life to come. And what we see the Lord doing right here, right now. Right now, you're going to be looking at what would be known as an art gallery. Some of us in here really appreciate art, don't we? Some of us are pretty good at making art. Some of us are rather good at drawing. Some of us are limited in our artistic ability to only draw the blinds. And don't think I don't know who you are. I've seen your handwriting on the sign-up sheets. Why do we put artwork on display in an art gallery? Why? See, it's done to highlight a particular artist's collection of work. They want to put that work on display. And isn't this similar to us as Christians? In Ephesians, God says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Has God not put us on display for the rest of the world? Since we're speaking of art, listen to what Oscar Wilde had to say. Oscar said this, he said, morality... Like art means drawing a line someplace. So the question this morning is this. Where are you drawing the line in your life? Are you drawing the curtains in an attempt to avoid being put on display? How are you living? What would the non-believers in your life say about who or what you actually live for. The title for today's sermon is this. It's Grace on Display. 
Last week, we learned that as Christians, we can be fearlessly optimistic in the midst of our pain and suffering. Like it or not, pain and suffering will happen. It was revealed to us that our future life depends on Jesus' troubles trumping our troubles. And today, we're going to learn and see that our focus should be to reveal the grace of God. As Christians, we want to display grace to others at all times. So please join me in your Bibles if you have it with you. If not, no worries. It's going to be on the screen for you. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. God's word states, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking, parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to these, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. They malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Amen. When we read this this morning, we want to make a statement, one sentence that sums up these verses, and that one sentence is this. We are successful in our suffering when our goal is to display grace to others. We are successful in our suffering when our goal is to display grace to others. With that being said, the question we're asking is this How can we display grace to others? How can we display grace to others? We know that we can display grace to others. By honoring Christ among the company we keep. By honoring Christ among the company that we keep. I live for. See, some live to work. Others work to live. Some live for the weekend. That's why Loverboy, some of you know Loverboy, wrote that song, Everybody's Working for the Weekend. No, I will not sing it. Yes, I do know it. Yes, it came out when records were still a thing, like wax records. Not accounting records, but wax records. What is it that you live for? Is it your career? Your hobby? Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. What is it that you're living for now that's setting the pattern for how you are going to live the rest of your life right here on this earth? What is it that's determining the pattern that we will live out? Again, what does God have to say about who and what we should live for? 
Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Allow me to make a statement that's rarely thought about and extremely rare to say. Now brace yourselves, you are sitting down, so that's a good start. But what I'm about ready to say is rarely thought about and even more rarely actually even being said. But I'm going to say it and it's true. Being a Christian might just be what gets you killed. Are we not forgetting that we're following someone who died because of who he was, who he is, and who he will be forever? What does it say? It says, since Christ suffered. What else does it say? It says, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. What was Jesus' most successful earthly accomplishment? His resurrection. What was he resurrected from? A death in which he suffered. What did Jesus display during his death, burial, and resurrection? What is it that Jesus put on display? He put on display the grace of God. Persevering through suffering under the will of God may just be your greatest accomplishment. It may be your best opportunity to display his grace to others. So again, what are you living for? When I read these verses this morning, I'm asking myself, what are you living for? At times, our walk with Jesus should make us feel a little awkward and a whole lot uncomfortable. If you're walking with the Lord and everything's hunky-dory and you're feeling rather comfortable in your walk, you might want to just check and see who you're actually walking with. See, our walk with the Lord should put us in uncomfortable situations. Why did you even show up this morning? What is it that made you get out of bed, hopefully brush your teeth and take care of some other hygiene? Get in that car that you rode in and come here this morning. Why did you even show up? Are you here because you think the, ver the end of verse 1 says something that it really doesn't say? See, take a look at the end of verse 1. For whoever has suffered, Peter writes, in the flesh has ceased from sin. See, the Christian walk is not one and done. It isn't like you suffer for doing something good once and then you put the rest of your life on cruise control. Deep down, you know why you're here this morning. You know that you're here because the struggle is real. You know that you don't have it all figured out. And hopefully you realize that the leadership here at Villa's Grace doesn't have it all figured out either. Because if we do, I'm telling you, we're in trouble. You're here because you know that you need to, what does it say? Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Arm yourselves. Why? 
because the struggle is real, because the rest of this life will be a battle. So how do we arm ourselves? Well, simply put, we arm ourselves by seeking the will of God. We're going to get into that here in a moment. But we still need to be asking ourselves, what are we living for? What is it that we're actually living for? Peter says, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. No longer for human passions, he writes. Human passions. The question we should be asking ourselves is, am I passionately pursuing pleasure or am I purposely pursuing to please? And to please means we're seeking God's will. What we live for can really just be an escape. By living for the weekend, I can escape the mundaneness of the weekdays. Some of us live to be weakened warriors, but we forget that life is a battle. We don't have to wait for the weekend. So how can we live, as it says, for the rest of the time on this earth for the will of God, as Peter writes? See, first, we must understand that if we live for our human passions, it's on us. If we live for our own desires and our own human passions, it's on us. We're picking up the tab. We personally pay the price for escaping God's will by trying to live for something else. However, if we, as it says, live for the will of God, then God pays the price. Pursue his will by seeking answers in his word. That's how we can arm ourselves. It's right there in the Bible. We even put it on the screen for you. Pursue his will by seeking answers through prayer. We can go to God in prayer. We can seek his will by seeking out the wise counsel of other believers. The Lord keeps bringing individuals to Villa's grace. People that we can seek out for wise counsel through his word and prayer. Pursue his will by looking at every situation in your life like it's an opportunity to share Jesus. Sharing the grace of God through Jesus is what we should actually be living for. It's the reason why we say we want to be building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Because we want to know him, we want to grow in him, and we want to what? Go with him. Which is why we're saying this this morning. We are successful in our suffering when our goal is to display grace to others. It's the reason why we're asking the question, how can we display grace to others? By honoring Christ among the company we keep. Let these 23 yellow rubber duckies represent everyone in your life who doesn't know Jesus you're the lone blue ducky. It's okay. I know some of you are, are, are judging my arithmetic right now and you're counting to see if there's actually 23 rubber duckies there. 
Hope was the first one to start counting. <laughs> the 23 yellow ducks represent human passions. The blue duck represents living for the will of God. So please allow me to warn you. Allow me to be warned by the Holy Spirit myself through God's word. When you pursue the will of God, do not forget this. When you pursue the will of God among those who do not pursue his will or even know that his will even exists to begin with, they will speak critically of you. As we, as a church, move forward seeking God's will, they will speak critically of us. And guess what? It's okay. They can say what they want to say. See, it's natural for the rubber duck to be yellow. When you think of a rubber ducky, you think of a yellow rubber duck. It's not natural for one to think of a blue rubber duck. And we're talking about rubber ducks this morning. I love it. I mean, come on. You knew I went down to the bottom of the barrel of the sermon illustrations to get this one. See, it's natural for our flesh to want to put evil on display. It's unnatural for our flesh to want to put grace on display. We have to do what's unnatural while we're still in our natural flesh. Let's get into these last verses. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Look at that word in there, sensuality, in verse 3. See, this word indicates that these particular sins were done in excess. We must remember that when we excessively pursue human passions, the excess really just becomes a burden. That's the sin in our lives. Our flesh may pursue these human passions for pleasure, but in the end, they really become an affliction. So how do we know that it's natural for a rubber duck to be yellow? Verse 4. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. Do you recognize what this is really telling us this morning? Do you recognize what's being said here? See, those who know us will be offended when they realize we're unwilling to partake in the same behavior. But what opportunity do we have in these moments? I wouldn't shy away from the moment. Because there's an opportunity. What is this opportunity? The opportunity is to put grace on display. Listen, you better have some non-believers in your life. You better have some people in your life that are offended by you when you put grace on display. If you're not hanging out with any non-believers, 
you're going to have some problems. Because again, you might want to check who you're actually walking with. We better be keeping company with non-believers. So why is it so important that we display grace to them? Verse 5 tells us, But they will judge and give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Somewhere in your lives, the Holy Spirit used somebody else in your life to put grace on display to you. It's why you came here this morning. Imagine if they would have chose to judge you instead. Imagine if that person would have chose not to display grace to you, but rather would have chose to judge you. Imagine where you'd be this morning. But that didn't happen, did it? And this is why it's so important when Peter writes this, he says, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. See, part of the reason why we avoid and escape pain and suffering in life is because we forget that we are already dead. It's just that it hasn't happened yet. Because our God is all about futures, we're now learning, what does it say here? It says, to live in the spirit the way God does. So what is this gospel that was preached, that's being talked about? See, the gospel is the good news. The good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The good news that when Adam and Eve sinned, God intervened with a plan. If you have faith in Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection, you're free from death and final judgments. So yes, 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 and yes, we have what you would call a sin problem. There's no avoiding it. There's no escaping it. But our God intervened in the form of man, his name, Jesus Christ. And he did something about that. And it's our faith in what he has done. That's the gospel that's being preached. That's the gospel that you're hearing. That's the gospel that the Holy Spirit spoke through somebody else in your life, whether it was actual verbal word or actions that put grace on display for you so you could know that God would rather show you grace than have you stand before him in final judgment. That's the gospel message that the Lord wants to send you outside these doors with to do the exact same to somebody else. So when somebody wonders why we're doing what we're doing here at Villa's Grace, it's not for things to look good. It's so we can reach as many people as the Lord wills with this good news. So yes, again, we have an issue with human passions, don't we? And we better know some people in our life that have the same issues. Do you know what all this indicates? Really when it comes down to it? This really just indicates that we are perfectly positioned to put grace on display. Grace is a gift. The gift of faith through Jesus Christ that nobody can earn. We can put that on display for somebody else to see. How are we perfectly positioned then? We're perfectly positioned through experience. God's will for you is to display His grace to others. 
Recognize the difficult moments, periods, or even phases in your life as opportunities to do so. See, Satan wants to continuously remind you of your past and all the wrongdoing, but God tells you that I don't deal in the past, I deal in futures. God is using you until Jesus comes back. That's what it's all about. Though Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead, and is now at the right hand of the Father, he's coming back. And he's left us behind as sojiled ex exiles. Or sojourners, I should say that right. Exiled sojourners. It's the name of my fantasy football team, too. You thought I would have got that right. As exiled sojourners to put grace on display for others to realize this truth. So, again, the question, what are you living for? What is it you're living for? Are you seeking to do an unnatural thing of the flesh and put grace on display? Which is why we can say this. We are successful in our suffering when our goal is to display grace to others. It's why we ask the question, how can we display grace to others? We can display grace to others by honoring Christ among the company we keep. Heavenly Father, I pray for us as a church as we move forward that you can use us. You can use us to share your grace with others. I pray that you open doors and hearts to receive your gospel message when we're called upon to do so. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.